Hi pals, this has now been rebranded as the Mobile Mentor Podcast, so bear with us through the brand mind body old branding, all content is just as valuable. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to the Brand Mind Body Podcast. I'm Alex Blanks. Feed your mind and body right to make yourself into a better brand. Everything is a brand nowadays, even people. What we do, what we say, the choices we make and how we behave, and these shape how we progress through life. So it's time to do some work internally and make ourselves into personal brands we're super proud of. Happy listening! I thought this would be a really good time following my previous New Year thinking episode to record something on self-love because at the moment this is a big big theme for me and it's something I, I plan to carry into 2019 and continue to fortify my strategies in order to have a better relationship with myself and I wrote a blog post on this I think a few months ago on brandmindbody.blogspot.com um, so if you want the write-up which is more practical and it's got like gifts and poems and stuff in it then go check it out but I thought I'd do one where I could actually discuss things and, and bring in more personal experience where it isn't so um, structured and I think right now it's a really good time to talk about self-worth and self-love um, and dive deep into it and at the end I'll probably um, outline some tools that I found really um, helpful for me um, in unpicking like my current relationship with self and moving that forward um, but yeah I've noticed like at the moment there's a big like western societal shift or not at the moment it's been going on I think I've noticed like signals you know around for like the last two three years where there's that more championing of self and diversity is being celebrated um and the kind of old ideals are being challenged and for example that epic channel for olympic paralympics um advert was like started this and like you can see all um the big brands and the big players in the game kind of championing different skin colors different body sizes so it's we're going beyond that realm of aesthetic ideals now to kind of champion champion every sort of individual and also what's inside more and I think that's the the element I'm going to focus on because for me it's all about internal workings that then produce the outside self um so yeah for example conversations on mental health are super strong right now um I thought last year we made big progress but this year it's like it's being ever more bolstered like there's so many podcasts now on mental health, there's so many movements, um, they're getting platforms, there's so many influencers now like talking about it alongside their normal content. Brands are showing that big is beautiful finally um, and even like Drizzy, Drizzy Drake dropped Winnie Harlow's Vitiligo um, in, in his song Signs. So just celebrating different people's not imperfections but different people's beautiful qualities now and not just subscribing to the old definition of beauty I think that's that's coming forward um a personal one that I love is Jamila Jamil's I Way campaign and sh- this is quite strong on um Instagram especially but I love this because she celebrates or that platform celebrates um diversity in different people um where they put up a picture and on the picture there's the loads of different labels overlaid um it could be like bisexual or mum or um eating eating disorder survivor um suicide survivor um artist um baker um emotional intelligent enthusiast and so basically people overlay the qualities they celebrate about themselves and that they recognize in themselves over a photo that is quite candid and like less pose and a bit more natural and put in like this um, platform puts one up every day and I think that's such a strong movement breaking ideals on platforms that are basically built for ideals or that were previously known for ideals now so that we feel more comfortable just sharing 
things about ourselves that perhaps before would have been judged. Um, so go check it out if you haven't yet. I'm um, I way I W E I G H cause you know, just cause anyway. So with this, I wanted to explore what was going on during, um, this transition, um, both like on a, on a bigger scale and personally, and how we can look at our self-worth and some tools. Um, cause it's really tough. I know personally knowing like what we truly feel or value and what sometimes who we are to ourselves, what we mean to ourselves and how to really dig deep and be like, what is serving me? What am I holding on to? What is like penetrating my kind of outlook on life? What is um, shaping my uh, definition of myself? And um, pulling out the main bits and so that our relationship with ourselves are even better. So last year I did a big kind of like um, haul of my life, uh, like a life MOT and was like, I was basically thinking about what my lifestyle consisted of, um, what I was moving forward to, um, what I did every week and how all of this contributed to my relationship with myself. And so I did make dramatic changes in my life, as you probably already know, because I've harped on about it enough. And I think since doing that, I've kind of grown close to myself and really been like honest and told myself, um, like, we need to have a word and we need to make things better. Um, And what I noticed from doing the assessment, I feel like that's so formal, basically like a bit of like a let's scribble down what was going on and rehash it out and move forward in a better way kind of thing. Um, Long story short. But um, what I noticed were, I think about five main five or six main factors that influenced my self-love or that fed into my self-love or my relationship with self and I noted them down so this might be useful for you although they can be quite commonsensical but firstly societal climate I noticed that um because there's so many messages in society um like projected to us things that we consume every day um and conversations people have that are fed by um I guess these these bigger messages and these ideals and what is high priority, what is high in value, what is perfect and what isn't. I think a lot of this um, can filter down into our personal relationship with ourselves. So that's one to be aware of um, what you're consuming on a daily basis or what you're seeing around or what you're being told or like the hearsay or the zeitgeist at the time. For example, like um, in the 80s, it was really sexy to have red lipstick and be like the siren and be this really slim with brunette hair um, and you know they show like a cigarette and it's all very like sexualized but now I think we've moved so far beyond that in kind of um, this ideal of like a perfect woman or the sexy woman that now you can see like people of all color being celebrated or shapes and sizes um, and it's not just about that kind of one singular description of beauty so that's just from a beauty standpoint obviously there's so many more um messages in like society that are saying like this is the best way to live and this isn't like with regards to jobs like there's job hierarchy and perception and etc um the second one is that your current relationship with yourself and your inner voice which is quite a big one so at the moment how much do you accept yourself who you are now instead of focusing who you want to be so that idea of like how do you do, are you quite comfortable in your own skin you're like this is who I am or is it more like you notice you are always wanting to change or make progress on something are you noticing you're degrading yourself often how do you treat yourself and like how do you make decisions for yourself is it based on like love like oh I want to do this for myself or is it based on like restriction or is it based on destruct destructive habits I don't know um so yeah what I noticed with this one for example is like if I'm feeling a certain way an old like coping mechanism would be like if it was feeling a negative emotion would be having a drink to mask that which is quite common obviously but nowadays I notice this like sensation flare up and I don't want to have a drink because I know it makes things tenfold worse the next day 
or I'm just pushing this feeling away to kind of feel at a later date. So now I noticed that relationship with myself was the fact that um, I was too scared to like be honest with myself and too scared to like feel what I was feeling because it felt so raw and vulnerable. But now I'm happy with that. So I don't like treat myself destructively. I don't go for the things that will make me feel worse because I kind of learn the consequences. So yeah, there's that just noticing your relationship with yourself and how you behave is a big one. Also, another huge one is content consumption, content consumption, which we're all pretty aware of. So like, um, yeah, like what you can consume personally on a daily basis. So this is like, I guess, more granular than the societal messaging. So, for example, through social media, through um, conversation with people you have, through um, any digital device, essentially, or uh, media device, like is it radio, podcast, uh, magazines you're reading, pictures you're looking at that kind of thing so things that you have more autonomy over things that you have more control over that you can kind of like shape um so obviously everyone does like the social media calls cuts people from their facebook you know gets rid of old accounts um from their instagram that just keep showing them stuff that kind of makes them feel a way that they might not consciously be aware of but then you know after doing the call you're like oh i feel like there's a bit of like more mental peace so yeah monitor the small nuggets that you consume um, as they can build on healthy ideals that um, develop our inner value systems. So I did a cull the other day, I think I got rid of like 400 or more um, like accounts from my Instagram because I was like, I don't even interact with half of these. I don't know why I'm looking at them. They're not really serving me. It wasn't based on, I guess, getting rid of them because they made me feel bad. It was just like, sometimes it's just so much shit that I just look through every day. I'm like, oh God, I haven't used that account since I was at work and we needed to follow like an ice cream brand. I don't really want to look at that or like a random artist keeps posting pictures of like these 3D frogs like that are like kind of a wavy and I'm like oh yeah this is cool and stuff but I don't really know what it's what it's giving to me so yeah I think it's kind of looking at what you consume and being like why am I consuming this and is it bringing me joy or a positive emotion anyway um, another one is expectations and I think this is important looking ahead so um we can often have like really high expectations of um our lives of ourselves um and I feel like future goals are good but we can often place too much emphasis on the future and that rather than like being in the now and understanding what's going on for us now and addressing what we need now because sometimes there's like um kind of like a friction between goals and expectations versus what's going on inside us now and that can really cause you kind of pain along the journey like working towards it because I know for ages with me and my career I had such a confusing time deciding what to do ahead and I was like okay I'm going to do an architecture degree because like you know it's really lucrative and that's was all like being fed by kind of other people and society's expectations at the time um and you know it'll set me up in good stead for the future and I feel like there's more of a profitable profitable outcome from doing like something that's just more like arty and obviously I've changed my viewpoint on this completely now after living through it but at the time this was feeding my expectations of my future and all the while I was having a really tough time not enjoying it thinking I should just do it um that really affected my personal life and my relationship with myself um which led to like destructive habits and I was like why why do these big expectations equal happiness and equal like inner peace it just doesn't anyway we can have these expectations often informed by obviously societal messaging or in childhood our parents ideals and what they project to be like great and perfect or wonderful or negative and like the media and institutions etc like it's good to be aware of what all of these bodies and 
people and role models in your life stand for so that then you can decipher like what's informing your ideals and like your expectations um I think with expectations also we can slip into like looking at the rosy picture ahead um and get attached to the idea of things before looking at the reality of things um so that therefore when things don't work out we fall hard and often this just comes from like projecting an idea ahead which is so hard not to do but I would say like biggest bit of advice have no expectations I don't even know how to give you a tool to be like don't expect because it's human nature um but I really think if there's something you can work on like if you're planning ahead and there's and you notice an expectations attached to try and erase that real quick so you don't attach to it because like for example with dating or like a job or you know trying to apply for a school it's like when you have these expectations and then they don't come to fruition can hit you hard man anyway another one is friendship circles and the people who surround you because I think this is a very um this I think is more of a subconscious influence um, who makes like the people you talk to and hang around with what do they do what do they talk about what quality of conversation what are the quality of your conversations um do these people make you feel great do they make you feel a bit shitty do they make you feel elevated do they make you feel a bit heavy um like basically notice who's good for you and who gives you that sense of lightness and love or just helps you feel like you can bring your shoulders down and just relax into yourself because for ages, again, like I just would circulate with loads of people because I'm quite a social character. And I realized that didn't feed my soul. It just made me exhausted. So it's also about like the quality of people and the quantity. Because sometimes you just need like three really good people in your life, regardless of whether they're friends or family, in order to be like, oh, I'm having a really good life. And they've contributed to my social life and thus contributed to my well-being and thus contributed to my my relationship with myself um it's so this one's really hard because it's really you're unaware of often of like that negative tinge and obviously if you're kind of encountering so many different types of people every day including in a professional environment you're kind of like I don't even know where all these feels are coming from that are like kind of forming in your subconscious and the next day you might feel a bit weird but you can't identify where that came from maybe it was like a meeting with someone or like you just went for a drink and afterwards you felt a bit low so yeah noticing the energy you surround yourself with is super important um and lastly what you do with your body and what you put into your body and this is um obviously been talked about loads because it's part of that like health movement and there's so many different um ways you can look at this via fitness via exercise via food um via i guess drugs and booze and stuff like that so basically anything you input into your body you consume um versus anything you do with your body like this all feeds into your relationship with yourself so if you're eating more foods that are processed or aren't nutritious um or perhaps don't even suit your body type or blood type there are different like eating ideologies and diets such as the ayurvedic and blood type diet that basically um propose that you eat based on like your character and um and like how and your kind of spirit um versus you know if you take a blood test and say if you're blood type a then you should be eating this type of food so there's so many different ways to be eating so sometimes it's just like just noticing that if you're eating foods that don't really work with you but you've done that for years like noticing if like that is really serving you um makes you feel a bit sluggish or rubbish or even if you don't move that much and not doing enough like walking or perhaps stretching or you know the extreme end of the scale is like going to the gym every day if you're not doing enough moving for your body that also can make you feel a bit horrid and this all contributes to your perception of yourself and your relationship with yourself so um 
often like changing or shifting these habits slightly or I guess more extremely depending on your personality um, can really boost your mental space so even like just walking 10 minutes further from the tube or redirecting your route so you can cycle somehow to work or eating more veg rather than mashed potato with the dinner I don't know all these little things can like boost mental space um, speaking from personal um, experience here rather than like like regurgitating a thesis but obviously there are loads of papers and tv programs about this that are all factual and good but yeah um I think it's also important that by moving and exercising more you have a greater self-esteem greater level of self-esteem and that can be a slow burner because obviously if you're making small changes it's harder to track progress but for example if you like say I'm gonna walk to work twice a week um and then uh rather than tube or rather than get like a lift, you can notice progress. And once you notice the progress, um, it's easier to view like how perhaps physically you're changing, which is like you're automatically feeding back to yourself. So you're giving yourself feedback and thus you're like, oh, milestones. And it's something quantitative. Um, And then you just feel stronger. You feel better and you feel more energized. That's harder to track, obviously, because there's so many things affecting your feels every day that you're like, meh. But if there's something that's more um, that you can measure, um, or that's something that's a, like bigger than a, a little tweak, then that really contributes to your relationship with yourself because you're noticing like I am making a change, which leads to me noticing that like this is making me feel good, I feel stronger, my mental space is happier because I'm making improvements, and my physical body is showing it. So it's just a really nice loop. Um, yeah, similarly, if you eat better, like maybe your skin clears up, or you feel more light, or you feel more energized you can do more in a day um if you alter what you eat sometimes so yeah I think they're the main things that contribute to that I've noticed anyway that contribute to our self-love and relationship with ourselves so it's good to take stock of these um every few months I want to talk a bit about um inner voices and which ones to listen to because there are quite a few going around um within us every day and I know that there's the big kind of popular ones are mental heart and gut that people talk about or the three main kind of um tools in which we can listen to ourselves or which guide us or help us make decisions so I want to talk about these three mainly and um help us understand which ones to listen to and different occasions and how to organize them and I I basically linked three of them to different bodily sensations now so it makes it easier for me to identify which ones to listen to in which moment I think these this has been an important exercise for me because big life decisions I find super hard to make um, I'm not a good decision maker by any means it takes me way too long I waste a lot of time fretting and this is because I've had a really bad relationship with my inner voices and I've not learned how to follow ones which serve me the best think over the years because I live in my head a lot I've followed my mind and that has always led me to being a bit like I said earlier disappointed because I've lived in my mind which often thinks ahead and is more innovative and doesn't and like whereas the, my feelings or my gut are like bigger senses of wisdom to my core um so basically I've learned to balance these three better in the last year or two I'd say but for, before that I was a bloody mess like I think even I think from the age of 16 up, when you had to kind of look ahead to your future, this has always been like, follow your mental space and follow your logic, follow your analysis, follow all the things you're reading rather than all the sensations that are coming up inside you when you're reading certain things which guide you on what might be better for you. For example, deciding on unis, I would always go for prestige over things perhaps that um, 
perhaps courses and places where I might get in better or have a better, a richer social fabric. Um, I chose courses based on like future prospects rather than perhaps what I really wanted to do and what was burning inside me, which was definitely more art writing and journalism, which I thought, you know, I guess I was told like indirectly by voices and things inside you that this is harder to get a job and like it's not as you know like you don't get paid as much so I would follow like values like money and you know prospects and and being kind of looked at as like oh wow she did that kind of thing um rather than being more honest with myself um but nowadays um I would say an example of when I've switched up listening to my mental space and my old thinking like that is when I quit my job in August and even though I was in a really great workplace with lots of prospects who were doing brilliantly and still are um, in the advertising space which I eventually switched to I still felt this like inside this sense of like my gut was saying like this isn't right for you long term you need to take a break and take stock and then figure out what's really you know feeding your soul and makes you wake up in the morning and makes you proud to show what you've done and and like gives you that sense of purpose so um, now I've noticed to ac- I've like noticed that I access my gut a lot more and um, my kind of feels are uh, taken into account also with every given day but okay so that's my anecdote about how I used to listen to one type of voice more and now I've learned to kind of balance the heart the head and the gut um, but yeah so basically I've noticed that mental voices and using your head and if you're an analyst like if you live in your mind a lot if you're a big thinker and you make decisions based on like things on paper a bit more or things you consume that kind of like form an argument in your head um that makes sense then it's the mental voices that are the strongest for you um and they are plagued by high expectations um aspirations societal pressures fact uh the desire to succeed uh perhaps like what you know definitional beauty is what the definition of amazing is kind of thing and these these I feel like these voices are all they can be quite negative this is on a personal note they can be quite negative to me they're really pressurizing and they're really extreme and they're constant they're like like a tiny bird pecking at my mind so I've noticed that the quality of the voices inside me that are mental have this characteristic. So what I try to do is assign them to like a character so I can kind of easily like decipher them. So imagine you've got like three members in a room and there's this little pecking, annoying bird. That's my mental voices. Um, so yeah, so often there'd be, that you know, there'd be like, you should be in this area of work because it's seen as really great in society and everyone would respect you. Or like do this to you know be the most beautiful um or you should be uh eating this because it'll make you feel really good and there's there's so many like scientific backing to prove it but I know that that might not not necessarily be true so yeah that that, they're the type of voices that are mental um they're based on things that I've heard or seen of other people's success and stuff um and I forget to note that we are an individual and we all have like our own ways of deciphering what's good for us so yeah it would always be based on like what I've seen heard or absorbed that have formed these mental voices the heart voices or the feelings um these are much softer and much kinder and come from a really lovely innocent place and I basically associate these with a tiny like I would the character of the heart voices or the feeling voices of this tiny cloud that's really innocent a bit like a pokemon if you know like chancy and they're really soft and cute with big eyes and they don't often 
um, have a stage. Um, but they are really playful and bouncy and um, they are cute. But because I've characterized them like this is because they come from a really innocent place and they're quite naive. Um, they're quite volatile, um, a bit like a little pet, like a kitten almost. And um, they're trying to compete with the mental voices, but obviously the pecking bird is too much. So yeah, um, I really, I have like a softness and like a fondness towards my feelings because I've often ignored them. So now I feel a bit like I want to give them more attention. Um, so that's how I picture those. And they can, they can change a lot day to day, but they are a guide for momentary decisions I find and they're really a good guide for like on the spot mental voices uh, are a really good guide or often put themselves in the future um, or focus on looking ahead um, and often the past because um, they've captured a memory or a thought and they held on to that so they've they often are future or past so the heart voices are present and the gut voices god these are the big profound voices these are the gandalfs of the voices um they're very profound they have a very silent humble presence they're often not heard and they're very deep centered and they're wise um they don't they don't ask for attention regularly they aren't popping up every day um i would say they're like a low long sustained hum and they're often more physical in potency i think this happens after a long while like for example if you're deciding on a big life change or a move um you'll probably take, you know, a couple of weeks or a month to think about it because you really want to make the right decision because it's not just like, hey, what am I having for lunch today? It's like this will profoundly change your lifestyle. Then the gut voices are are your main man for that um, and they will be present whether you like it or not and they will try and show you um, and guide you in the best way possible. So um, I think what I've noticed is my gut voices came about, I think, in the last two years and especially in relation to my career when I was noticing that Although I love the work and the nature of the work and how stimulating my work was long term, I just didn't see myself here. I was thinking to myself, like, if I was here, then I would have had this big sense of loss or like missing out of something that I really wanted to do deep down inside. So it was this gut feeling that was growing through the years and growing this long sustained harm that became almost physical. Like the gut would like I would feel it everywhere. This voice that was like, you can't you can't stay, you have to go, and it was like, kind of almost pushing me, like, it's time to go now, I don't know, it's really hard to explain, but it wasn't, um, they're not rash, gut voices are not rash, and they build, and they use these little clues from your everyday experiences to build up their argument, and build up their volume, in order to guide you, so, yeah, the Gandalf is the third member of my voices, um, cabinet, a useful way to identify these voices at play in your everyday life and the ones that seem to guide you is what I can't profess more is diary, journal, diary, journal. Um, even on your phone or if you have a notebook, five, ten minutes every day, note down what happened in the day real quick, um, who you came across, uh, what like decisions you made, um, generally like the sentiment of the day and um, how you felt, just like anything that comes to mind because eventually these will create ammo for... Um, to help you notice how you make decisions and what voices are at play and they're basically like an evidence log so you're collecting self data um in a kind of an easier format um to identify maybe which of the mental feelings or gut voices are 
bigger play every day in your life. Um, so I'll give you an example of lunchtime at work. And this used to be a big thing for me because it was like the most exciting bit of my day. Like when you got to go out fresh air, you got an hour off in good days and you have autonomy and like deciding what you eat. And obviously this is very much linked to um, the af- like how you're performing in the afternoon, how you feel, etc. Yeah, it's all, all very um, complicated. But so this is an example of me deciding what to eat and which voices were at play um, on a typical on a typical Friday, for example. So I'd go out, I th- I'd be thinking, oh, what do I want to eat? And the mental voice comes in and it's thinking, oh, um, I think I should have a chicken salad over pasta bake, even though I want something cheesy and warm. Um, because my mental voices are health driven and they're making a conscious, cognitive, aware decision. I can see it working. I can see logics and fact taking play and I can see like, um, what, what I should do coming into play more than what I want to do. Um, or the second example is like, I'm in a Mexican joint and I'm like, Ooh, my gut says I want this type of cuisine. I definitely need to be in a Mexican place because that helped me decide really what I want to buy because it's something about those flavors or like the long-standing experience of Mexican before that has been linked to a certain type of mood that has, has come up has surfaced and it's like oh you know you had it that time when you felt that way and it gave you this type of vibe and the outcome was this so your gut is like this like old memory that doesn't always have the details but it has that kind of like physical and emotional I don't know memory I guess um that was also linked to like maybe the mental decisions I had at that time so it's bringing up something like a sensation that you can't quite quantify so I'm like yeah I'm in I'm in a Mexican joint and I feel like I'm in the right place third example is when you decide really what you're going to eat you're in the queue and your heart's saying burrito because you really want a burrito and again it's linked to that want something warm and cheesy and yummy um but then you notice your mind coming in again, saying like, it's a new year, be a little bit more healthy, like get the option without the wrap or like cut the cheese or don't get the guac. But you really want the wrap. So your feelings are like, oh, give in to what you want, give in to that sense of this is what you want now. Rather than thinking perhaps in the future where your mental voice was like that health driven, long standing cognitive voice. Um, so, yeah, there that's an easy way to look at it in a very small scenario. Um, so, yeah that that's a good exercise for um your micro moments but I would say um if you have a good relationship with your voices in general already uh, the next stage would be to characterize them like I did just then so I had my um annoying sparrow the mental one that would keep coming at me and I'd hate to say annoying but like it is a good way to identify your relationship with your inner voices so I find my mental space quite annoying because it's always taken over before so now I'm trying to like push it away a bit to give the other two space to come in and help guide my life obviously the feeling the voice is like the more soft kind of like um introvert at the back that doesn't really get much of a platform um but I have a very big fondness towards it because I want like it to come forth a bit more um it's like the soft cloud and the third one was the wise Gandalf who just stands there with all his greatness and humbleness with this wisdom of the world inside him it doesn't need to say much, but you just like automatically respect it. So yeah, they're my three characters in my um, voices cabinet. So maybe you can try and put like um, a character, a face or an emotion against your voices to help you identify which ones are um, coming at you all the time. I want to talk a bit about relationships and the value of relationships. Um, and this, what I'm about to talk about does stem from a marriage-based um I guess, argument, but I think it can translate into other relationships in our life. Um, I listened to a podcast on Simplify, and if you haven't heard of it, go listen. It's so good at simplifying, like, 
um, everyday big questions and things in our lives um, to make it accessible. Anyway, this one episode I listened to with Eli Finkel, a social psychology professor, um, is called Marriage is Dead, Long Live Marriage. And he basically talks about Maslow's hierarchy of human needs and states that today marriage is focused on self-actualization needs. The idea that we want to live an authentic life and have a sense of meaning and purpose in a way that aligns with who we really are. And those are other things that we're looking for these days. Um, And he discusses how previously in the the past, marriage was based on, um, uh, I guess, security financially, um, the roles of the man and woman, um, and how that contributed to society um, and then it was about like protection and survival like even before that so nowadays because we're in the third world um, it's just basically about attaining that higher purpose and how our relationships fortify that so at the very top of Maslow's hierarchy um, is where we sit now and um, Eli Finkel's tip on selecting a partner which firstly I don't think I wholly agree with but it is interesting and I thought I would illuminate this here because um, it's something to think about, um, is he says, as you think ahead 10 years, who do you want to be? Like, what version of yourself are you excited to bring out rather than another version of yourself? Um, And is this version of you that you really like? Are you heading the same way as your partner in in your lives? Um, So basically, he discusses choosing a partner based on a version of yourself who you want to be and who you really like and who you're really excited about becoming and looking at how your partner um, looks at you. Do they like the same part of you, the same version of you? Do they support the person you want to be? And if so, then Eli Finkel thinks you're on that same, you're a a really good match and you can sustain your relationship because you're both growing. And if you're growing with the same ideal in mind, then um, it's a strong position to be in. Um, And he does say, like, you might love each other now, but do you both like the same version of you when you are together? So it's interesting because it both it asks you to question yourself now and who you are and what you like also asks you to question who you want to become um, and is that version of yourself you love did it does your partner love it equally um, so I think I find this flaw flawed for the main reason that I think it strips the joy out of the present of just living in the moment with someone you might have a connection with Um, and again it puts emphasis on like the future and looking ahead and perhaps more of like a a mental emphasis like for the logic reasons for on paper reasons for um, uh, things that feel a bit less organic a bit more planned Um, I think there's a beauty in living the moment and if you meet someone where you have a connection and you're like this feels right now what's wrong with that serving you now even if it's not forever even if it is a few years Um, but I also like it because it does ask you to look inward and it does ask you to think about who you want to be and I think this is really important as much as you should love in the moment and like you should really focus on the present which is um something today that I think in the western world we find hard to do and we're trying to come back to it does ask you to look ahead at who you want to be and that you form your relationship with yourself and help you form habits and a lifestyle that can like help that prosper um so for example like if you had asked me 10 years ago who would I want to be I probably would have said more um superficial things like oh I want to be I want to have my own house and that I want to be really successful and I want to be happy and like they're all the things that I think I wanted um but nowadays I think I just want to be comfortable with my own skin um and I want to be able to be really like content with who I am at that time and obviously happiness comes into it but it's such a vague um undefinable concept that I don't really know if I can put that up there anymore because like everyone wants to be happy it's like it's life I guess um so yeah I think it's really it's a really good way to 
um, both look inward and outward at your relationship and relationships to see like are we aligned in where we are now will we be aligned in a few years um, do I want to be with someone or do I want them in my life um, going forward because they like we like the same versions of each other going forward um, or is it just temporary but I also think it's worth noting that it doesn't matter if you don't see it as long term because how I see it is that if you're living for now and you get joy from it now why would you change that because you might not in 10 years kind of align um so yeah i think it's it's intriguing thought school and it does show you if you agree with his thinking um then it just shows you a bit about who you are if you don't agree with his thinking equally it shows a bit about who you are and like which voice you align with more is it more future or is it more present in this last section I want to outline some exercises on improving self-worth and self-love and this has come from just personal experience and ways that I've found helpful so nothing to do with science or things I've listened to or read albeit could have been indirectly but yeah this is what I've come up with that has helped me so um, number one is map your thoughts in personal time again this ladders back to the whole journaling diary thing just keeping a note of who you are over time and then when you get time, <clears throat> just look back at it and note like the quality of your thoughts, quality of feelings, um, what you were writing about, how angry, how elated you were and why. <clears throat> and this can really help you gain a better relationship with yourself and understand and self-understanding at the time. And this is a really good basis for moving forward. Exercise two is um, a good way to see how you're seeing yourself. So I would answer these one day and then come back to like looking back at them and analyzing them the next but like the main questions or the main exercises in this bit are describe yourself in four words um what parts of yourself are you most proud of what do you most dislike about yourself how would your friends describe you how would your mum describe you what would 80 year old you say to you now for example like life advice so yeah, um, in that exercise, write the answer to those, come back to it like a week later or a few days afterwards and uh, review them using these. Are your answers more positive or negative? Are they more superficial? Are, the, are they more superficial qualities? Which were the hardest to answer? How do the three people descriptions match or differ and why? Did reflecting back on them make you feel any kind of way? Um, and with that, do you think you would alter, alter your answers now? What would what will you do with this insight now? So now you know what you look about, what you know about yourself, and what you see, how you see yourself. What could you, how could you move that forward? So um, exercise three is outline the worst that could happen. Um, it's never that bad, and it may likely be rooted in negative self chat. So it's good to unlearn this because with every bad thought, throw in a positive affirmation. So um, I, I guess this is a really good exercise when it comes to making decisions um, and uh, help you decide like which is best for you. Because if you perhaps have low self-worth or um, you don't love yourself enough, you can often make decisions um, based on like negativity, and negative outcomes. So yeah. Um, try this exercise when it comes to making more profound decisions but um, some other good tips and advice come from mind so if you want to up your self-esteem head to their website um, I think that's really really good because it's it taps into like that mental health side of things um, and can offer some really good like more bite-sized exercise like these but my final quote for you today 
which I wrote from this blog post, which I'm going to regurgitate is stop for a while in the morning is the best. Listen to the quality of your thoughts. Tell the crap ones to fuck off. Follow the resilient ones. Take time for yourself. Connect with people who love you. Repeat. Um, And as always, my kind of guiding philosophy, which I'm going to bring up again, is do things because they feel good, not because they look good to the outside world. So what feels right for you, do that. Um, And do what's calling to you and not what you should do. So they're kind of the same thing, but said in another way. Thank you again for listening to me for another week and another episode. I just need a bit more of your help. Um, I'm getting a lot of your plays, which is super great. But if you could just hit subscribe on any platform that you listen to me on, whether it's on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, CastBox, etc. I'm on all of them. Just hit subscribe um, and that would make me super happy. Um, And leave a review if you're feeling a bit more generous. Thank you so much. (laughs) 